What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We definitely agree with the philosophy of paying yourself first, so that's how we have it set up, a lot of automated transfers right after we get our paychecks they go out to these different buckets or savings categories that we've prioritized hello and welcome to financials podcast future rich i'm your host barbara ginty and i'm also a cfp which stands for a certified financial planner and i am here with my guest today andrea hi andrea hello thanks for having me I am doing well. It's a nice sunny Friday. Can't beat Fridays. (laughs) So why don't you um, tell us a little bit, you know the drill, I think. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your age, status, income, location, all that jazz. Yes. So my name is Andrea. I am 29 and recently married about one plus months ago. Oh, congrats. Uh, Thank you. And I live in the Seattle area, and we recently bought a house. So last uh, fall, we bought a house here in the Seattle area. Um, I work for a university in the area, and I think that's about it. Is there anything else I forgot? No, I think that's it. And what do you do for the university? Are you a professor? I am not a professor, definitely not. I... (laughs) Um, I manage contracts and accounts. So essentially an account manager, but it is with the university. Very nice. And what about your spouse? Um, He works in um, sales at a tech company. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, you sent me over a beautiful spreadsheet, which is intense. So I will have you maybe, (laughs) we can walk through it together. So um, I know that you have some questions some of the questions are about contributing to a Roth, mm-hmm. a travel fund, anything different now that you got married. I will note that your savings rate you said is 54%, which is pretty incredible. Yes. Thank you. That's it's something I've been working on. Um, yeah, I can walk you through the spreadsheet just at a high level. So perfect. Let's see. So I am... We both make about a hundred and thirty thousand each, so two hundred and sixty thousand total, yeah. and um, that's mine is consistent. His is more variable because he is in sales, so that is mm-hmm. that is an average. That is the the on target earnings. So at the end of every month, we bring in net pay about. I guess I should say. Gross pay, we both bring in about $10,800 a month Okay. Um, before all of our deductions and taxes. So being at a university, I do have a lot of pre-tax deduction options. So the mm-hmm. 403B, uh, a deferred compensation plan, which I just started contributing to okay. um, recently, an HSA plan, and then a voluntary investment Roth plan as well. So quite a few of those that I'm trying yeah. to take advantage of. So after all that is taken out, I my paycheck monthly is about $5,100. Okay. 
Okay. And then in terms of after, after the paycheck hits, then there are additional savings. So I would like to get into this a little later, but I have always historically contributed to a Roth. But last year I hit um, some troubles with income brackets and I over contributed. Yep. Yep. So I am feeling hesitant this year. So I'm I'm instead saving money in a savings account Mm -hmm. to then contribute to a Roth later. But I feel like that's probably not necessary. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to be eligible, especially with both of your incomes with the married filing joint. Oh, see, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I okay. believe you're going to be over it. Yeah. Married filing joint, your modified adjusted gross income is going to need to be under 208000 mm-hmm. So you are going to make too much money married filing joint. Okay. So I guess I'll just uh, take that money right <laughs> out of the savings account. Okay. Good to know. And then... The let's see, or I'm sorry, it'll be two hundred and fourteen thousand for this year. That was I gave you the two thousand twenty one number, but e- either, either way, way. okay, yeah, your income is going to be too high. Okay, to for so, either of us to contribute. Yep, because it's going to be based on married filing jointly now. Um, mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you were in that cutoff. They do a phase out, but you have to really track that, especially if your husband's income can be variable and it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. As you know, it's a a pain in the butt to get it out of there if you make an excess contribution. So I think probably your best bet, which we'll just have to look through it, is if you're interested in doing the Roth, is doing it through your employer plan, not outside, because you are not limited inside a 401k or a 403b there are no income restrictions for doing the Roth inside of those right but there is a total there is a total limit limit correct which I think I've set myself up to max out so I think I'm probably done there yeah but if you if you really like the Roth and you can swing it which I think you can given your savings ratio you could probably just switch it so that you're still doing a portion inside of your work plans that goes to Roth. So you don't have to do the whole thing. You can divvy it up. So if your overall contribution amount that you're maxing out is the 20500 you could say of the 20500 mm-hmm. if your plan allows it, we'll put you know 10000 of it towards Roth and then 10500 is the pre-tax. Right. So you're, yeah. But yeah, you have to be on, within that total employee, so uh, limit. Okay. So the way that the university does it is they match. So it's a 403B and they match 5% of your, so you automatically contribute 5% of your Mm -hmm. salary and then they match 5% of that. You can't actually increase or decrease your contribution. The only way to do so is to then contribute to this voluntary investment plan, uh, which is the Roth option. Interesting. The voluntary investment. Yeah. So that's the way that I am contributing to the Roth now, which then if I combine. So, oh, so what they did is they don't have it available inside the 403B. So they gave Mm -hmm. you a separate Roth to compensate Mm -hmm. for the fact that they're not offering the $2 types. Exactly. And then your deferred comp is traditional, right? Yes. That is not. Yeah, that is not a Roth if that's what you're asking. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So your voluntary investment, well, maybe do this again for the listeners, but your voluntary investment 
Roth is basically an add-on to your 403B. So the total contribution limit is the 20500 between the 403B and the voluntary investment Roth. And then you also are eligible mm-hmm. for a deferred compensation plan. And that's also 20500 So you're eligible to put 41000 correct? Exactly. Yes, that's my okay. understanding. So yeah, I would absolutely do it the way you're doing it because you're not going to be, unless something changes, you're not going to be eligible to do Roths outside of work. Mm-hmm. So okay. ma- you're doing it the right way, maxing out the deferred comp plan with this. So you're getting the 20500 pre-tax and then you're doing the 403B, which is the way they're mandating it, but then maximizing. So it's almost exactly what I said. So then about half of it is going in in Roth. The other half is pre-tax with the employer match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit complicated to yeah. a while to figure I'm, it all out. <laughs> I'm sure people's heads are spinning. It's not always the case, but it does happen occasionally. And it's really fun. I think it's really fun when you're eligible for multiple retirement plans. But it's just very rare that you're eligible for both. The 403B full maximum, which is the 20500 as an employee under the age of 50. Mm-hmm. And additionally, the deferred compensation plan, which is deferred comp is usually a government plan. So, but you can also see it. So it's for your the state that you're in, you're eligible. So you're eligible underneath two separate retirement systems. Therefore, you're able to double the amount, which is, I think, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it that often, honestly. Oh, really? Good to know. Mm-hmm. I'll take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, take advantage of it. <laughs> Great. And then in terms of other savings, so after after our paychecks hit, then there are some other investment accounts not retirement related that um, we both save to or put money towards. And then I have in my eyes, a fully funded emergency fund. So I'm no longer saving monthly towards that. And then we have kind of a, a lot of different buckets for savings. So like a travel fund, a maintenance, home maintenance fund. Um, I like a home maintenance fund because homes are expensive. <laughs> yes, we're just learning that. Um, <laughs> Everyone learns that. Yes. <laughs> and then we had had a wedding fund that now is turned into a honeymoon fund. So, um, now a quick question. Does your husband have a 401k as well? Yes, he has a 401k. And is that listed on here? It um, is expenses or just on the, um, yes, it is. Um, so his is 4% match up to 5k. Okay. So Got it. they, okay. and again, that's variable because it's a percentage on each check, which varies yeah. quite a bit. Um, I do have, if you want to go through our expenses or I can go through kind of our accounts as they stand. Yeah. Let's talk about, so I like the way you set it up. So the way you've set it up is you have what you're making and then you do your savings first, which I always call budgeting backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already made sure you're in the 403B, the deferred comp, you're doing the HSA, you get your medical and dental through work. Um, and then your husband also is in his 401k. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, 
you have some other buckets that you save for. And then let's talk about, yeah, I think now let's kind of talk about the expense, the expenses that you have. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months, I've been trying to prioritize my health as I recover from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I like that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. Another thing I like about Athletic Greens is that they are a climate neutral certified company. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We, we definitely agree with the philosophy of paying yourself first. So that's how we have it set up. A lot of automated transfers right after we get our paychecks, they go out to these different buckets or savings categories that we've prioritized. Perfect. In terms of expenses, our mortgage is uh, $3,600 a month. So we do live in a high cost of living area. So that is unfortunately the reality we live in. And then our electricity, we budget about $150, but that, that of course varies on the, the weather. So like lately mm-hmm. it's only been $50, but just to make sure that we're in the winter prepared. And then water and garbage, that's about $150 a month internet is paid by um, his work. So I have removed that line item. Perfect. Um, Groceries. We budget about 400 for groceries and about 200 for restaurants lately with everything costing more money. um, Mm -hmm. It it sometimes can be a little higher than that, but uh, that's what we strive for. Gas again, $200 a month. That's for us combined. Uh, also that price is increasing lately. That's going up too. Yeah. And that will depend, you know, if we're just driving around town or if we're, if we're traveling across the state somewhere. Um, And then we do have a dog. So we budget about a hundred dollars a month for her, Perfect. which we only end up buying food about every other month, but this way there's always um, money available. Yeah. Just in case you have to go to the vet. Yes, exactly. Um, And then we have a golf membership. I was, I was going to ask, I wasn't sure what that was. Okay. So you have a golf (laughs) membership. Perfect. Um, and so with that, our expenses, oh, and I didn't mention car insurance. So, uh, our car insurance is also included in there for about 160 and our total is about 5,600 a month, which is really not bad because your net income, you know, after all the savings is about 12,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels high, but I know that our mortgage is taking up a good chunk of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have money left over after your savings and your expenses every month. 
We do, yes. And that is something that I want to try to figure out where we might be smarter with our money and put it to better use than just sitting in a savings account. Absolutely. So on average, it depends on the month, but it looks like you run around looking at the monthly breakdown, at least usually I, we just average it about 4,000 a month left over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So then let's talk about where you are, fr- where you have currently, where you have your savings, and then we can talk about what to do with um, the leftover monies. Cause you're doing a great job utilizing all of your work benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you mean talk through the, our saving, our accounts and where they stand? Yes, exactly. Yes. So I won't go through it line by line, oh, but no. um, in terms of our savings, we have various savings accounts and then different funds or savings buckets that we do through Ally Bank, the high yield savings account. Yes. And... Let's see, that is a total of about 107000 That also includes HSA money that is in cash form. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of our retirement accounts, so uh, we have, I'm saying we because I'm just combining the two of them at this sure. point, but they're, they are very much separated. Let's see, in a 401k uh, my partner has about 66000 in my 403B. I have about 27000 The work in Roth plan, I have about 60000 My personal Roth, or I'll say our personal, our Roths <laughs> combined is uh, 49000 And then along, or early in my career, I had a plan that was a pension style. I no longer have that. So I never qualified for it, but I did contribute. And so those dollars still exist. Um, And so I have about $8,300 there. For the retirement. And you're going to leave it there. I don't know if this is Mm -hmm. the case, but sometimes if you ever go back to work for Mm -hmm. another job within that system, you can buy back that time and get that pension. Yes, that is what I have heard. So I definitely yes. want to keep it. I don't have yes. really intentions of doing that, but you never know what happens. Yeah, you never know. And until you're retired, I just leave it there because I've seen so many people who said they never thought they would ever use it. It was they worked for the county or local government as a lifeguard, and then they ended up working there later on in their career near retirement, were able to buy back all that time. Because mm-hmm. once you're in it, they lock in that date. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. It might be worthwhile just to go back for a few years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's only five years and then it's vested. And then it's vested. Yep. So definitely, le- I would leave that there. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I'm starting, I started recently to contribute to the the deferred compensation plan through work. So that's only about $1,000 right now, but that should increase quickly. Perfect. In terms of investments, so we have some money invested through the HSA, mm-hmm. and that's about $3,700. Um, in terms of our investment account, so outside of retirement, we have about 60000 Um, I did recently purchase the treasury bonds. The I-bonds, yeah, the inflation bonds, which are paying 
if you're listening, this is July 15th, 2022. They are paying (laughs) 9.6%, and that is through the government, treasurydirect.gov. Yes, I heard uh, all great things, so I I decided I would put the max of 10,000 in there. Um, And how is the website? The government isn't known for their technology. (laughs) It's unique, for sure. Uh, (laughs) It feels like that. It might be That's generous. Yeah. <laughs> that is a generous word for the, the website. <laughs> you, you definitely feel like you might be on a, a scam website, but then, I mean, it works great. The function's there. It's, it's not beautiful, though. Okay, perfect. And then my partner has invested in a few different, so he has Coinbase and then another investment with a company, and then he has two company stocks. Uh, I guess we both do. Sorry. My old company, I had purchased some stocks as well. So in total, we have about 26500 in company stock. Perfect. So just to give the listeners a high-level ballpark, in cash savings, you have around 100000 a bit over. In retirement monies, you have over just over 200000 And then in investment accounts, you have another just over 100000 Mm-hmm. Yep. And not, in, not including equity in your home. Exactly. Perfect. That's fantastic. And so now probably which you're, because you're doing such a high savings ratio, which I love, you're still left over with money monthly. So where, where should it be going? Yep. No, I have a question. Are you interested in early retirement? What's kind of the overall, what are your overall goals? Because I think that will help kind of dictate what to do with the excess. Yeah, I I am very interested in the concept of retiring early. I think I'm not set on that necessarily. I think it's just been a, a good kind of inspiration and something to try to work towards is mm-hmm. increasing my savings ratio, increasing my salary. Um, for a long time, our goal was to buy a house. So we finally accomplished that goal and now feeling like, okay, now what's next? Um, I think I'm, I'm very motivated by goals. So <laughs> I think a goal of ours would be to purchase an investment property in the future. Okay. So saving for that, which is certainly not listed um, at this point in our savings plan. Yeah. So I think just being, having a strong financial foundation so that if we did want to retire, if we did want to take time off or just being able to be flexible and um, stable is important to me. Absolutely. So I think you're on, on the right path with what you're, how long have you been at the university? Um, About five years. Okay. So with the retirement, you're, you just you're just starting adding that deferred comp so that you're able to add that mm-hmm. additional amount. Mm-hmm. So right now with with your retirement, we add the other investments. We'll just say the cash isn't going to grow significantly. So if we're just using three hundred thousand, and these are just ballpark numbers, and you're twenty nine at thirty nine, if it was growing with seven point two percent compounding interest at thirty nine, it'd be six hundred thousand without without adding a dollar, mm-hmm. and at forty nine, it would be one point two million, and at fifty nine, it'd be two point four. But with your saving ratio, with what you're ma- you're maxing out these contributions, so it'll be significantly higher than that. So I think you're doing a great job with retirement because you are. Let's go back on the spreadsheet here. The target here 
is you're you're going to try and hit these contribution limits, correct? That's, you're doing yes, that's the plan. The twenty thousand five hundred for both the volunt well, you're doing the voluntary at Roth. You're doing the deferred comp and the four hundred three b. So that we'll get you could put sock away forty thousand. Mm-hmm. So I think with the excess, what I would do is keep adding it to the non-retirement investments, because then that would give you the flexibility because you'll take advantage of all the work plans. I would make sure, as I said, you're both maxing out all the work plans and hitting those contribution limits of 20,500. You are, just hit the jackpot that you get too. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> <laughs> with the excess, because I think you have enough in cash at the moment, especially because it's not paying you anything. You have plenty of, if there's a big vet bill or something happens with the house or for vacation. So I would, especially with a down market, like we're in now, I would keep adding to the investments with your excess. And then that also down the road, you could always use that to buy another property. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't something we've really ever talked about on the podcast before. So I don't know that I've ever mentioned it, but with an investment account, you can usually collateralize them, meaning you can lend against them. You can also lend against your home too. So as you increase the investment account that you have, which is your larger one, let's say, you know, if you're saving another $3,000 a month into that over the next couple of years, say three years, that's another 108,000. There's already 60 in there. That'll be up closer to 200,000. If you don't want to sell those investments to buy another property, you can borrow against them if you want. Something we've never really talked about on this, but um, usually your investment, whoever holds the investments will lend against them. You could also take a home equity line of credit against your first home to help make a more competitive offer. So mm-hmm. my my strategy would be keep adding to your non-retirement after you've maximized all of your retirement options. And then that'll allow you that flexibility, whether it's to buy another home or just to have the ability to take off from work for a little bit if you want to. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the, I've always wondered about the, the mortgage payment and maybe you, I think you can probably answer this, but tell me if you can't. Um, There's always the option to add an additional, there's, there's an option to add additional money to the principal. There's also the option to pay payments up front. Is there an option that's better to get ahead in yes. the mortgage or is it better not to do that and just invest that money elsewhere? So what's your interest rate on your mortgage? We actually didn't talk about that. Uh, 3.75. That's a great interest rate because it is going real high. <laughs> I predict that we'll probably see a 9% mortgage rates in the near future. Yep. So fantastic job on that. So I wouldn't get too crazy because you guys are in a high tax bracket with your, you will be in a high tax bracket married filing joint with your income. Mm -hmm. So you'll get a bit of a tax write off with the interest in the beginning of a mortgage, you pay predominantly interest and at the back end is your principal. But if everyone's a year you want to make a principal only payment, I would absolutely encourage that. Principal only payments are fantastic. They're always your friend and they always help. So you can definitely do that. You could, you know, at the end of the year, you have no big expenses on the house, no projects. You could always say, you know what, I'm going to, we'll take some money out of cash and we'll make an additional mortgage payment of 3600 and apply it 
only to principal. I would not pay up early because that doesn't do anything for you. Okay. You want to make a principal only payment. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, it's I yeah, feel like there's a the, lot of options and there's a lot of calculators on on their website about like, you know, this could save you this much, but it's just there's too many options and I never know which which is the best. I like I don't make very many blanket statements, but I'm pretty sure that this is a good one. <laughs> principal you can't go wrong with the principal only payment. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Thank you. And that will, and that knocks, can knock years off your mortgage and save you a lot in interest. Now you don't have a high interest rate, but mm-hmm. if you did a 30 year, it'll still save you a bundle by, by doing it. And you could just wait at the end of the year. You, you know, the bank is paying nothing. If we had no vet bills or no big expenses on the house, you could take 3,600 out and make a principal only payment and just replace it the next year. Okay. But I definitely also think you could add, you know, to the non-retirement investments as well. And then you can use that down the road for whatever you choose, whether that's buy another property and, um, or take a year off. There's all all sorts of options. Yes. That's what we want. Options. (laughs) It gives you a lot of optionality because you'll have a lot in cash, a hundred thousand in cash. You'll have all the money in retirement, which we won't touch until retirement. And then you'll have, if you keep adding to your non-retirement investments over the next, you know, three years, hopefully that gets up to closer to you know, 200,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, your point about the Roth contribution is very mm-hmm. helpful. Is there anything else that we should be considering being newly married? Yeah, that's a great, a great point. Now that you're married, you're going to be falling under that married filing jointly return. So that's where you're going to not be eligible for the Roth. You also are going to want to just be mindful of taxes. And so with your non-retirement investments, we'll probably just want to keep an eye on capital gains there just to make sure those investments align with where you're falling tax-wise because those aren't sheltered, right? So with the non-retirement investments, you're going to pay taxes every year on those. So Mm -hmm. you just want to probably be tax conscious. Okay. Yeah, I think historically or for the most part we leave those investments as is but obviously the point is to take them out eventually (laughs) yes and so but every year you're going to be issued a 1099 Mm -hmm. on them and so as they make money the the irs is going to put their hand out and ask for a piece and so certain investments are more tax efficient than others so you just when you get into those higher brackets which you and your husband will be in, especially if he has a good year, Mm -hmm. then you're going to want to look at those investments and make sure. And if you have a advisor or a CPA, you might want to just review them and make sure that maybe mutual funds isn't your best options. Maybe it's single stock, just so it's all about what you net, right? Okay. So if you're losing too much in tax, just want to be conscious of that. And you'll know if your your accountant will be like, oh, Jesus, these non-retirement investments cost you a lot because you'll be issued a, a 1099 because the nice thing about the retirement accounts is they're tax sheltered. But with your non-retirement accounts every year, you're going to get a 1099 and and you're in a high income bracket. And so depending on what those investments are, you just want to be mindful of what you own inside of those as that account grows. Right. Okay. Good to know. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about 
Oh, we, we probably should look into that. Okay, great. But other than that, I think you're in a, a great spot. I love to see, absolutely love to see that you start with savings first. And I love a savings ratio of 54%. So you're doing great. You have money left over every month. You have a lot saved for retirement. You have a lot saved for emergencies, non-retirement. So you're hitting all the different buckets. You're doing pre-tax, Roth, regular emergency fund savings, non-retirement mm-hmm. savings. You bought a home. You locked in a great interest rate. So you're just checking all the boxes. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was I guess, the last question was, is there anything else that we're not doing that we should be thinking about? So the one thing now that you're married, you should go through and make sure that you've updated all of your beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes we see that when people get married, they, you know, you don't have to make it your spouse, but if you want to update it, this is the time to do it. Yep. Okay. So you want to go through and check that. The other thing is if God forbid something happened to one of you, because the, the mortgage is based on both incomes. So mm-hmm. I think that you have enough to cover it with no problem. But the other thing you could consider is taking out temporary life insurance just to make sure the mortgage is paid off. Or if you're planning on having kids down the line, that mm-hmm. you do that now while you're young and healthy. Okay. What is temporary life insurance? It's um, term insurance. Oh, term insurance. Okay. Got it. Okay. Because yeah, I don't like permanent insurance. I don't like permanent insurance. And <laughs> and what you would do is you're, you're doing it now. And so you can, if you think you're going to have kids or that's something that's on the list for down the road, you could just ballpark what you think the number would be. And you just take out a temporary policy for, I would say for your 29, for 30 years, it would run till you're 59. At the end of when you hit 59, there's no more insurance. But at that point, you'll probably have about, with your savings ratio, you probably have closer to 5 million at that point. So there's no need for insurance. Okay. But if anything should happen to either one of you in the near term, which is statistically unlikely, but God forbid it were to happen, mm-hmm. at least have the mortgage covered. Yeah, certainly. That would be very stressful to do alone. It would be very stressful. So you, it, it would put you in two tragedies, right? One personal where you're losing a spouse prematurely. And then the second where now you're under this pressure of having the mortgage payment alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be the only other thing. So beneficiaries maybe, and then looking at maybe a temporary policy just to at least to cover the mortgage for the time being. But if you're going to go through the process of getting it and you think you're going to have kids down the road, I would just bump it up a little to cover potential little people. Okay. Okay. Good to know. We'll look into that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I think that answers my questions and also just really wanted to get a sense of making sure we're on the right track. Um, So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It was great chatting with you. And so for all of our lovely listeners, you can find our most up-to-date information on Instagram, which is Future Rich Podcast, and also on our website, which is www.futurerichpodcast.com. And if you like our podcast, please rate and review us. You can now rate us on Spotify, and you can rate and review us on Apple. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.